Well, last week, Mark Tubb shared about some of the current world issues and particularly how they relate to the way we live. And he invested a lot of time relating to the issue of judging others. This is such a current issue. I'm going to revisit the subject of judging as well. There is so much going on in our society right now. And much of it has to do with one person or group judging another person or group of people. Black Lives Matter versus the alt-right. Conservatives versus liberals. Capitalism versus socialism. Republicans versus Democrats. Alleged media bias and conspiracy theories. Each group believes they are right and judges the other group wrong. It goes further now into something called cancel culture. Cancel culture is defined as a desire to cancel out a person or community from social media platforms. It says that if one person or group disagrees with another, the person disagreeing should be canceled. They should not have a voice in the conversation via any social media platform. They are shut out of the conversation shamed, required to repent, and come into agreement with the injured or offended party. Many places in our culture now, a person or group that disagrees is judged to be wrong and judged to be unworthy of expressing any opinion. Now, as Christians, we're in a particularly vulnerable place. In addition to the pressure to conform from various social and political groups, there is the additional pressure to align with what Jesus said to his followers. And the world and even other Christians are pretty good at telling this. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 says this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. It's most... uh, People who are not Christians, that's their favorite verse because they want us to not judge them. If you don't get anything else from today, here is what I would like you to get. Christians do judge actions. Christians do not judge hard intent, motivation, or value of another person. To repeat. Christians do judge actions. Christians do not judge heart intent, motivation, or value of another person. So many people who are not followers of Jesus, and even other Christians who don't see it the same way as you, use Matthew 7 to dismiss anyone who might try to require accountability for behavior or identity choices And so according to many, behaviors cannot be identified as sin because to do so requires a judgment. And Jesus said, do not judge. This is not new. Judges chapter 17, verse 6, and you can go there later, says this. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. It's also mentioned, the same thing is mentioned in Deuteronomy 12.8 and Judges 21.25. 
in those days, everybody did as they saw fit. And that's the way it is today. Same as it was thousands of years ago. According to this thinking, Matthew 7.1 demands that we never exercise ethical discernment or evaluate behaviors. Christians are told we must give complete and uncritical tolerance to every conceivable lifestyle or belief. Now, do you think that's what Jesus really meant in Matthew 7.1? I don't think so. When Jesus said to judge not, he was not commanding us to stop thinking or evaluating our own behavior and other people's behavior. Jesus did not say pretend not to notice other people's choices. He didn't say to eliminate all discernment between good and evil, truth and error. Now, how do we know that? Because Jesus said, don't judge. He wasn't expressing, uh, he wasn't forbidding us from saying our opinion on right and wrong, good and evil for two reasons. The immediate context of the Sermon on the Mount and the rest of New Testament teaching on judging. Even though in Matthew 7, 1, Jesus said, do not judge. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus declared that we will and should make ethical and logical judgments. For instance, he said, pursue a righteousness that goes beyond that of the Pharisees. Why? Because theirs was a bad, inadequate righteousness. But it required a judgment to say, this isn't as good as what Jesus desires. That requires a judgment. Jesus told us to do more than what unbelievers would do. Well, that's a judgment because it says they're doing this and we have to do more. Well, what makes it more? We have to make that judgment. It also says to avoid being like the hypocrites when we give, fast, and pray. And there's like a a third of a chapter devoted to just that. Now, hypocrites is like a total judgment word. He says, do not give what is holy to dogs or pearl to pigs. And that requires a judgment of quality. So Jesus, when he says, do not judge, is not saying you cannot judge anything for any reason. In order to do what Jesus commands us to do in the Sermon on the Mount, we must judge actions. And to make those judgments, there must be an absolute standard we can measure our judgment against. How else are we going to know? Our righteousness is not the same as as the unrighteous. It's not as the same as the Pharisees. What's the standard we use? We have to have a moral standard. Speaking still of judgment, the rest of the New Testament, and you don't have to look these up now, but the rest of the New Testament in Matthew 18, Romans 16, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Titus, 1 and 2 and 3 John, all of these have statements about judging actions and other people that we should be doing. In John 7, 24, Jesus himself says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So what does Jesus mean when he says, do not judge? I suggest Jesus meant for us to judge actions of ourselves and other people 
but never their heart, which includes other people's intent, motive, and value. To repeat, Christians do judge actions. Christians do not judge heart intent, motivation, or value of another person. So we're going to take uh, the rest of the time to go through this Matthew 7 passage, the first couple of verses. Matthew 7, 1, again, says, Do not judge, or you will be judged. Recently, a person that I value and is a committed Christian posted on Facebook, Donald Trump is a horrible person. Another Christian I know recently posted that Hillary Clinton was evil. Now, both President Trump and Ms. Clinton have made good choices and bad choices, and we are to judge those choices. But regardless of your political opinion, no matter how excellent or terrible their behavior choices, no Christian should ever make those types of declarations about another person. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. And you can look it up later if it takes you a while to get there, but it's worthwhile. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what deeds his deeds deserve. We just can't know what's in the heart of another person. I hope that got in. We just can't know what's in the heart of another person. We can judge the behaviors. We can't know what's in their heart. We can't know what their intent was, what motivated them to make that choice, or even what they hoped to see because they made that choice. Now, maybe you're better at this than I am. I hope so. But too often, I am not even aware of what is in my heart when I act. I really try to do that. But as the verse says, who can understand our own heart? When we set out to judge another person's actions, Jesus tells us first to let Holy Spirit judge our own hearts. Now, I find often when I do this, there are things that Holy Spirit shows me about me that I need to deal with. And also, I get to find out God's perspective about the other person. When we begin the process of judging the actions of other people, it is wisdom to gain God's perspective on how he sees that person. No matter what has happened, no matter what the choice the other person made, Jesus died on the cross for that person. Jesus values that person that we are going to judge so much that he suffered, bled, and died for them. The knowledge of God's perspective will change our actual judgment, as well as the way we go about communicating that judgment. I look forward to the day when I get really good at this. Not there yet, but hopefully someday. 
This process of getting God's perspective is often really challenging, and it requires a lot of dealing with our own beliefs, our own hurts, our own prejudices, our own preconceived ideas about us, the other person, and God. But it is so worth the effort. Matthew 7, verse 2. Excuse me. Jesus continues, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Pardon me. This verse is a reminder of the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. If we judge a person, that's what's going to come back to us sooner or later. If we relationally judge behavior, then one or another way, I don't know how God makes this work, but if we relationally judge them, we're going to receive grace. If we judge according to legalism, we're going to receive legalism. But we do get to pick. But Jesus says, for sure, the way we judge is going to come back to us. Proverbs 21.2 says, All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. If we are going to judge another person's choices, we must use the same standard to measure our own choices. That's a fun one, isn't it? If we're going to judge another person's choices, we must use the same standard to measure our own behaviors. To judge in a kingdom way, our hearts must fully be fully examined and weighed by God. Are we having fun yet? This is kind of a good news, bad news thing, eh? But the world is so full of judgment and making judging uh, opinions about other people. If we do this differently, if we do it, the way Jesus suggests, people will know. Just like when Katya drives through, she didn't complain about the service, she blessed. And it changes the way people perceive us. If we judge in a way that takes God's perspective into account about the person, we can then deal with the stuff, the actions, in a different way. Verses 3 to 5. Jesus continues, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Wow, is is Jesus judging? Sorry. He says, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. These verses illustrate and verify what was said about verses 1 and 2. Judging actions is not prohibited. But to judge in a kingdom way, we must first judge our own behavior choices. We must ask Holy Spirit the question, what have I done in a similar situation? How did I handle a situation similar to what I want to judge this other person for? 
to make effective kingdom judgments, we must first let Holy Spirit make an examination of our own history of judgments and how other people we respect have judged in similar circumstances. From personal experience, I guarantee that when we do this, our judgments about other people will change. It doesn't mean we don't make them about the behavior choices, but the judgments will change because we've considered it with God. We've considered it in light of spiritual uh, advisors' input into our lives and considered it in light of our previous experience of similar kinds of behavior choices. Excuse me. Verse 6, so Matthew, verse 6. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Once again, a judgment is required. This verse tells us not to give what is precious to those who do not value it. Requires us to judge, hey, this person isn't taking care of what's precious. Requires a judgment. Doesn't say anything about who they are or what they do, but it does say, I am making a judgment that this individual does not value what is precious in me or from me. Question, and take take a couple of minutes, uh, not a couple of minutes, take about 30 seconds. What do you have that is precious to God? What do you have that is precious to God? Now, there's no right or wrong answer for this. There are many good answers for that question. I want to suggest, though, that there are two primary things that are precious to God that every one of us has. The first thing we have that is precious to God is the good news about who Jesus is. When Katya went through the drive through she wasn't just saying something nice to this woman. She was giving out of herself what is precious, which is the good news of Jesus immediately impacting that woman's life. Jesus preached to the crowds about the kingdom of God generally, but his life-changing encounters were most often individual. It's not an accident that through the Gospels and the book of Acts, there are so many individual encounters and very few detailed accounts of the mass meetings. In a crowd of people, Jesus selected Zacchaeus to share with. In a crowd, Jesus ministered healing to a single woman. 
Of all of the Pharisees, Jesus met with Nicodemus. I believe the general biblical model for giving the precious gospel is to give it to those who are ready, those who are will value it, and those who are in front of us. Now, I admire the courage of those who proclaim the gospel on street corners, and I agree that there is a time and a place for that. But in general, biblically as an example and as gifts that we carry, we do not give the precious gospel to those who will trample it under feet and in turn and abuse us and our precious belief in Jesus. Let me say that again. I believe in general we do not give the precious gospel to those who will trample it under their feet and then turn and abuse us and our precious belief in Jesus. But that's another teaching that we'll do some other time. The second thing that we have that is precious is us. We are never called to reject humanity or to close anyone out of our lives. But as a general rule, neither are we called to remain in relational situations where we are abused and devalued. Somebody say amen. We are not called to remain in relational situations where we are abused and devalued. Yes, there are times when God places us in those situations, but even in those times when God places us there, we are still to protect what is precious. Not giving what is precious to those who do not value it is often a difficult path to discern. There are lots of conflicting emotions involved. It's hard to get a kingdom perspective in the middle of that. I encourage you today, if you feel you are in a place where the dogs are growling, snapping at your feet, you're being in an abusive situation, verbally, emotionally, spiritually, get counsel from your spiritual advisors how to walk out being a witness in that situation while still protecting what is in you that is precious. You are precious. And Jesus says, do not give what is precious to those who devalue it. It's part of stewarding the the most blessed, special gift in us. And we are called to judge that. I judge that what's coming at me is devaluing me. So when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying you can't make a judgment about other people and their behavior. You can and should make a judgment about other people's behaviors, but we cannot judge their heart intent, their motivation, or their value as another person. That's God's job. I hope today brings you a little bit more understanding and clarity about Matthew 7, 1, where Jesus says, do not judge. In a time in our history where media is more prevalent 
than it's ever been. People are more judgmental, harshly judgmental, unfairly judgmental than we've ever been exposed to. People have always been unfair, but now it's broadcast around the world. I hope you will be able to respond more effectively when the world tells you you cannot judge their actions. Yes, we can. And in fact, when the world tells us that, they are judging us. I hope you will discover ways to protect what is precious, that you will discover ways to protect you, how to work with Holy Spirit to take care of your heart, your inner core of who you are and who he's made you to be. I hope you will be motivated to allow Holy Spirit to help you grow in being judged by him as we rightly judge the actions of other people. What do you take home with you today? Christians do judge actions. Christians do not judge heart intent, motivation, or value of another person.